Thanks for checking out this episode of Business Black Belts. I really appreciate you listening and hope you get some great insights out of today's leader. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to Business Black Belts. We have another wonderful leader here with us today, Eric Rinley, the founder and CEO of Esquire Media. Welcome to the show, Eric. Why don't you start things off for us by just telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, a little bit of your journey, the whole kind of package. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I actually um, started off as an attorney. Uh, I went to the University of Florida for law school. Uh, came out of school and was a, actually a real estate transactional attorney right during um, when the real estate market basically collapsed. And so, um, you know, I was always constantly looking over my shoulder wondering, um, you know, if today was the day that I was going to be fired. Um, thankfully, that didn't happen. But um, I ended up, uh, you know, leaving that firm and uh, starting my own practice. And I met through it a, a gentleman that, that owned an internet marketing company. And uh, he offered me a job as their general counsel. And I, I jumped at the opportunity because it just seemed like such an interesting sort of world that I hadn't been exposed to. Um, and I had, you know, previous experience working in the music industry. And so, you know, just trying to get back to something that was a little bit more entertaining than like real estate law, which was not fun at all. Um, I don't recommend going to law school. It's, it's, it's not fun. It's not what you expect. It's pretty boring. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so I started working for this internet marketing company and, you know, after, you know, a few years there and helping to grow that company to, you know, I don't know, a hundred and you know, 30, $140 million a year in revenue. Um, I decided to leave and start my own thing. And so, uh, I started off, uh, doing email marketing, uh, had like a Facebook marketing, social media type company pivoted a few times over the years and you know, trying to really find out what our niche was. And, you know, in about 2016, um, me and a friend started talking about, you know, what were all the issues that we had in online marketing? And, you know, it really came down to fraud being there and not really knowing if you put an ad online, whether or not it would work or not, not because the ad wasn't good or the audience that you thought you were hitting was good, but really because at that point, there was so much online fraud, right? You would put up an ad and you might just get stuck in a bad stream of traffic and then nothing would work. And if you're spending your own money, um, you know, you'd have these days where you were really profitable and then suddenly you were, you know, losing everything that you had made the week before. And so it was always this battle. And so we said, well, you know, if you could figure out who was on the other end of the computer, who was at the other end of the advertisement, and you knew that it was real eyeballs on your ad, then you could be really profitable. And so we started working um, with different technologies to kind of figure out what would work the best. And we messed around with some IP targeting stuff. Uh, we started looking into device and location and, you know, what are the different indie indicators that existed um, out there that you could potentially pinpoint a person. And that really led us to um, the current iteration of Esquire Media, which really goes under Esquire Advertising. And it's an ad tech and ad agency that, um, you know, really focuses on one-to-one -one digital marketing. And so every ad we run, we understand who the person is at the other end. And from there, we can really uh, tune these campaigns and make sure that we're getting the result that we really want. And so that makes you very powerful. And so we started bringing this out to larger companies and, and putting it out at scale and have been very fortunate that um, the brick and mortar retail industry of all things um, really took a liking to our technology and what we were doing. Um, and it's given them the ability to kind of fight back against, uh, you know, e-commerce for that, for that matter. You know, if you look at like big brick and mortar retailers that are out there in the, in the industry, 
you, generally most of their online business is only about 9% of what they do. So, you know, for years, they've just been being told, you need to go online, go online, go online. Your business is going to die unless you go online. And, and they're sitting there going, well, we're not an online retailer. We're a brick and mortar business. So we came along and said, hey, look, you know, we're not going to tell you to go online. We're going to tell you how to find consumers that will come to your store. And we're going to help you fight back against that mentality. And we've been able to do that. And when you know who's at the other end of an advertisement, it gives you um, one really key piece of information. And that is being able to tell in any environment, whether or not it's a store, you know, a law firm, a doctor's it doesn't matter, whatever it is, you can match up, you know, the online ad into the in-store sale, the in-store client, the online lead, because you can match it household to household, address to address. And when you do that, now you can use e-commerce mentality to optimize your brick and mortar advertisements because um, that's never really existed in e-commerce, right? You'd pixel everything, you'd know like, hey, they fell off here and you can optimize this and that. But when in, when it's coming to a physical location, you have no idea whether or not the ad that you sent out actually generated the person in, in, in store or in location. And so this allowed us to do that. And then you can basically tune the advertisements online, the audiences online to the actual register rings. And so we started doing that and it just kind of took off. And so, you know, now we're in, um, you know, thousands of retail locations across the United States. Um, we're in more than just retail. We do this in education, helping universities recruit for, you know, new students, uh, transfer students. We do some politics, we do uh, finance and auto, and, and there's just a litany of things that it's allowed us to get into. And um, so it's positioned us really well. And, and I, you know, I wouldn't be here, but for all the trial and error and the things that I experienced in on the online world and just trying to figure it out and really trying to solve the problem for ourselves. We saw a problem that we were having and said, Hey, if we fix it for ourselves, then we can fix it for everybody. So talk to me a little bit about that actually, because it, we can all see potential in some of like the problems that we face, right. In email marketing and online marketing in marketing in itself, uh, like being online is already a massive hole that is filled with so much potential. How do you pivot from a almost parallel stream to something that seems extremely tech heavy to be able to do it on the back end and then to scale it? Like how does how does that pivot or iteration, as you called it, work? Well, um, it starts with hiring people that are smarter than you. Um, I mean, and I mean, that's just the the key to it. Like, I'm not a I'm not a tech guy, really. Like, I, I you know, I taught myself how to do HTML code, um, but that's you know, that's the extent that I could ever imagine. You know, I don't I, I I'm I know enough now to pick up the the jargon and the words, and I can have conversations with our developers, and I can somewhat understand what they're saying. But at the end of the day, you really have to hire people that are smarter than you, and then you have to ask questions that people aren't asking. And I think sometimes you have to come up with outlandish ideas that everybody says that's not possible. And then you just say back to them, well, what if it was possible? Like if it was in your ideal world, what would you need to do? Or what would we need to have access to in order to make this possible? And you ask those questions of people that are smarter than you and it makes them think. Um, because most of the time, you know, these things are attainable. There is no, if you can think up an idea in my, in my mind, I think it is possible. It might not be possible today because the thing that you need to in order to do it doesn't exist, um, but but it's going to be possible at some point. And if you start planning those things and looking for what you would need, you kind of find your ways around it. 
Um, and you just have to ask those questions of people that are and very much smarter than you. And like, I have a team of people that are smarter than me. And, um, you know, I think I'm a bright person, but I, I'm bright enough to know that I don't know everything and that I need real astute people that um, can think outside the box um, in order to make those things happen. So how'd you start building that team in, in, in the first place? Like, like you said, it's a different iteration. So do you plan ahead for the potential of a new iteration or a new pivot or is it more in the need basis i mean i would think if you were doing it the, the probably the smart way you would plan it out um for for me that didn't happen right um uh i was you know so when i first started the company in 2012 i was a one-man band uh, i did everything myself i worked on my computer you know 28 hours a day um you know i was there all day long in my basement, I didn't move. Um, I was at my computer just doing everything. And um, it wasn't until a couple of years in that actually a friend of mine basically forced my hand to, to move it along and start hiring people and doing more things. Um, I probably wouldn't have done it at that point had he not really kind of kicked me in the butt. And sometimes those things just sort of happen from an outside force. When we made the, the pivot to this, again, it was um, sort of out of... Um, uh, someone kicking me along, like where, you know, I have, I had like certain tools, I would say, um, the ability, you know, I have the knowledge from a business acumen standpoint to make things happen. I had the Rolodex in order to contact companies that I had worked with in the past that I could, you know, bring people on to get business in the door. So selling it was never the problem. The question was always in developing it and doing it. And so when we first started doing it, we started using other people's technology and, um, and just seeing what was out there that maybe we might be able to tweak and change. And so we used that along the way in order to kind of figure out um, hey, we can do this. We can't do that. You know, maybe this would work a little bit better. And um, and I think you know you have to kind of look at what the landscape allows first, and then you can kind of figure out where the holes are in in all the things that they're doing. And there's a lot of great technology out there. And so um, you first start with what you have and what's the easiest to get access to, and you go out and you try and sell it. And if you can sell it and you can get people interested in it, then then you kind of know that you have something there. And then you know we tried to work with um, you know other partners and people and. I, I never turned down a conversation, right? Like it's the same with this conversation. I'll never turn down a conversation and it doesn't matter what it is. People email me all the time and they're like, you know, can I get 15 minutes of your time to you know, talk about anything? I'm like, sure, because I never know what they're going to bring up or say. Um, and so I always did that the same way in the opposite direction that like I would try and talk to everybody and anybody about what we were doing, what we were trying to do. And, um, and so you just keep on, you keep on going forward and keep on hitting it. But yeah, I mean, if you can plan things out and be more strategic about it, then obviously that's what you do. Now we're at the point where we're very strategic about everything that we do. But when you're a solo entrepreneur and, um, you know, just trying to make your way, um, you're just putting out fires and trying to stay ahead of the game. And, and you know, you have to have uh, a great mindset and a, an excellent execution. Um, most people fail just in execution. They don't, they don't follow through. You know, I'm sure you know a hundred people that have said, like, I had that idea before they did it or... Um, you know, they like, I, I have this great idea for this thing. Well, go and do it, go and try. But nobody ever tries. They just fail in execution. So if you can execute on things, you can make anything happen. And, you know, I started my company with $10,000, um, never took any financing or outside funding from anyone. We were profitable from the day that we started it. Um, you know, and, and we did that by, uh, just going out and selling what we had and selling our idea and, and selling us as the people that um, could make things happen for for your company. And so 
um, after doing that for a while, you really start to figure out um, what the the public needs, what the companies out there need. And if you can fill a need, you, you have a business. Um, if you can fix a problem, you have a business. Then you just need to execute on it. So you talk about a little bit all those like growing pains, right? We're, we're always putting out the fires. That's, that's all we're doing. We're being in this reactive phase. How is that transition or still transition from going from that reactive phase to the proactive phase? Because that in of itself is, is a huge accomplishment to sure. only be putting out those fires to putting water on the areas that you already know are prone to fires days before those fires could even pop up. Yeah. You know, um, it's an interesting transition and like we're, we're still not immune to having growing pains, right? Um, it's something when you grow from, you know, zero employees to five and then five to 10 and then 10 to 20 and 20 to 40, right? Like, talking about a doubling of, 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 of things. And that is a massive amount. Even if you have two employees and you go to four, there's a lot more that goes into that. Um, that I was always really careful about not hiring too fast. Um, I didn't want to put extra pressure on myself and on the company. And more times than not, I see other businesses and other people that are trying to start businesses. They put a little too much pressure on themselves by like running too close to the to the line, you you have to have enough either enough funding to make it all happen, or you got to have enough profit coming in to make it all happen. Um, I'm not, I do not believe that you should go out and raise money for the sake of raising money because you have this idea, and that you should just go and like get a blank check and then go hire a ton of people and like we'll see if it works. Like that's terrible. Um, I don't know why anybody operates that way, and yeah, it works for some of these companies, but then you look and you're like, well, they're still not profitable after five years. Um, so to me, that's always been crazy. So for us, it was, okay, do we have enough work to sustain the next hire? Do we have the, ne the, the enough work to sustain this, that, or the other thing? Um, I wanted to be able to fund everything through profit. And so um, for us, the biggest fire of late has been, um, you know, not having enough employees to then sustain, you know, um, periods of extreme growth. And so this past year in 2021, we actually went on like a hiring frenzy and doubled our workforce um, very, very quickly. And we did that in anticipation of a big partnership that we just launched with Roku. Um, and uh, we you know, probably have more employees that we need than we need right now. Um, but we did that because we know the business that's coming from this partnership and we wanted to be ahead of the game. We're fortunate that we are you know, um, at the place that we are now where we can afford to do that. And um, and, and take the time to train these employees up and make sure that they're ready to go and that we have everything in place to handle that influx of business. In the past, I would have just been like, you know, well, you know, put the pedal to the metal. We got to work harder. We got to, you know, everybody's got to put in longer days and, and, you know, you, you try and work your way through it. But as you grow, some of those things start to lighten. Um, and I think you get a little bit of ahead of it, but some of that never really stops. Right. Uh, you know, every morning I wake up and I, you know, check my phone for emails to see what's going on. Like any, anything that I need to take care of right away, if there's any priorities, um, I have a great, um, uh, executive assistant that, that organizes my day, which has changed my world, um, and is able to kind of keep me on task and keep me ahead of things that might be coming down the line. But, uh, but you don't ever really get to get away from that, I don't think. And uh, I do think that there's some benefit to living with a health, healthy dose of paranoia and having some of that struggle always. 
Um, because as, as an entrepreneur, if you're not waking up every day thinking that today is the last day that your company will survive and the business will not stop, you know, you might get complacent and then stop reaching for that next client or that, that next deal or whatever it may be. Um, and to live your life with that health vetoes of paranoia is stressful. It's anxiety ridden, but it keeps you ahead of everybody else and it keeps you pushing. Um, because the moment you stop pushing, you go from being on the leading edge of things to being on the bleeding edge and you never want to be behind the times or behind the business. So, um, I live with it and it keeps me going. So expanding on, on that, that last line that you pretty much just said is like, you want to be on the leading edge and not behind the times. So how is technology ever shifting with you? Because I mean, as you were analyzing on the back end of the internet, which is, is like sand, essentially, it shifts and it moves pretty much on every minute, every second of the, every day. And technology revolving around the internet evolves and shifts and grows every day. How do you, how do you manage with that? Uh, I think it's like triage, right? Um, you look at everything and then you have to sort of prioritize and analyze and be able to kind of come to a conclusion really quickly. Um, so for example, uh, TikTok, great platform, uh, lots of users on it, um, great engagement rates. Um, and, but from an advertising standpoint, it's great for clicks, but not necessarily great for giving you the end result that you want, which, you know, is potentially like buying something, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and uh, th there's, I think, you know, some of that is quite obvious to like, you know, someone like me, who's you know, obviously been, I've been through every piece of ad tech that's out there. Um, I've used it all. I've tried it all. You have to constantly be looking at it and using it. Um, and so to be able to say, okay, look, TikTok's a great platform. We may eventually want to tie into TikTok and, and be able to serve into TikTok through our system. But right now it's not a priority because the end result of what TikTok provides is not really there yet um, because they haven't quite figured out how to make ads engaging on their platform that, um, you know, that a lot of people are going to interact with and you're not and you're going to get actual um, you know, quality traffic out of. You get a lot of looks, but not a lot of results. Um, and some of it also has to do with the age of the user base that's on the platform. So it's like triage. You, you look at these things, you figure out what's maybe working, what's maybe not um, a lot of companies are very public about what they're looking at and what they're trying to develop. And so you look at the ideas that they're talking about. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm fortunate. Um, I have three kids and my kids are, you know, constantly using new things. And so I actually use them as a little bit of a barometer too, of like, Hey, if they're interested in this thing, then I know that it's something that I should look at depending on how often they use it. Um, uh, like, um, Roblox, for example, um, you know, my kids are constantly on Roblox. They love it. They love the platform. I think that that platform is really interesting. There's not really anything for us to do there yet, but it's something that I'm keeping my eye on because I do think in the future, there's a great value there. Um, and so it's, it's triage and that goes with ad tech. It goes with platforms. It goes with everything. Interesting. Okay. So you brought up that you, your kids, obviously that takes up quite a bit of your time as being a parent. What other things do you do to get away and de-stress and just get away from the business for a bit, like regroup? Uh, business is always going to be inherently in the back of our minds, but there's also, you know, your free time in, in which you have. So what, mm -hmm. what, what do you do? Um, a lot of exercise. Um, 
that's like the only stress relief that I've found that that can really kind of give me the time to decompress and not think about things. Um, so, you know, like I work out every morning, I drop my daughter off at school at 7am and then go straight to the gym, work out for an hour and then come home and then start my day. Um, I do that Monday through Friday. And then, um, and then I also do uh, Muay Thai and MMA uh, three days a week. And um, as far as like stress goes, uh, there's nothing that compares to uh, uh, training in MMA or doing Muay Thai or, or, or something of that, that sort. Uh, it, it, it doesn't allow you to think about anything else other than what you're doing in that moment. You know, um, it's interesting. Um, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and when uh, Mark Zuckerberg was on there and he was talking about it, I was like, that's so funny because I do that exact same thing. And I felt the same way about running. Like when I would run, you know, like running always gave me time to think. And, and, and I like, I love running and, and I, and I enjoy running and I enjoy the time that I get to think, but when I don't want to think, um, you know, uh, MMA Muay Thai is what does it for me. And, and I do find that, um, you know, in the first, you know, I'd say three years uh, of, uh, or the last three years, I should say, you know, there was a time period where I really wasn't taking care of myself. Um, you know, I was traveling all the time. I was traveling, you know, two to three weeks a month, just working on getting the company name out there, promoting it. I traveled anywhere and everywhere. If there was a meeting of three people in a hotel ballroom somewhere, I was there because you need to be everywhere in order to push the business forward. And so I traveled nonstop. I never turned down anything. And so when I'm spending all this time on the road, I wasn't exercising. You're not eating well because, you know, you're just on the go. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think that it, it actually, you know, hurt, um, uh, my ability to stay focused on the business more. So like when I started working out more regularly and really taking care of myself health wise, um, think more fluidly, um, increased. And so, uh, I highly recommend it. Um, I think you gotta, you gotta make sure you find time for yourself. It's so easy to lose ourselves, um, in search of, or in pushing your business forward. So you have to take care of yourself and, um, you know, I'm still terrible at getting a good night's sleep, but if you can do that, then, you know, more power to you. I am so curious. What got you into Muay Thai and MMA? Out of, out of like, all things. Um, well, so I, you know, um, I, I, I did a little bit of mixed martial arts when I was younger. And when I was like, well, I'm going to really try and like, you know, get back into shape and, and make sure that I'm, I'm being healthy. Um, I didn't want to go back to the gym. I, like, I just never saw myself as a gym person. Like I would go to a gym, I look at the equipment, I'd be like, I don't know what any of these things do. You know, I don't know where to start. It was very overwhelming. You know, it's kind of like when your desk is a mess and you're looking at everything, you're like, I just don't even know where to start. That's how I felt going into a gym. And so I was like, you know, if I'm going to do something, I want it to be entertaining. And so I, uh, I found this gym in Durham, North Carolina, uh, Elevate MMA, and they train um, uh, pro fighters there. They do some great work. Um, and uh, my, uh, my, my Muay Thai coach, uh, Neil Ritchie, uh, trains me there and, and he's great. I, they're, they're, um, they're phenomenal and there's nothing like it, but you, once you do one class or one workout with somebody, one, you burn more calories than you've ever imagined in your life. I wore my, I watch one time I burned like 900 calories in one Muay Thai session. It's absolutely insane. Um, but, um, but it's just addicting because it, it not only gives you the exercise in a fun way, but it also helps you to kind of build some, there's just some sort of inherent confidence that goes into your mind when, when doing it. And so you walk out just relaxed, de-stressed. Um, it's, it's, there's nothing like it. Well, I want to thank you, Eric, for coming up on Business of Black Belts. It's been an absolute pleasure 
if anyone wants to get in contact with you, whether it be more about you, more about Esquire Media, website, email, LinkedIn, yeah, sure. what's going to be They can go to our best? website, um, EsquireAdvertising.com, or they can email me at Eric at ESQAds.com. So Eric at ESQADS.com. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming up on Business Black Belts. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Business Black Belts. Should you want to see more content on both the show, marketing, and business in general, feel free to check out my LinkedIn. Thanks.